I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. We are here today again at Northwestern University, Kellogg School of Management in Chicago, and I am doing my third and final podcast interview. Super excited today to bring you Alex McCarter of Triad Forest Products in BC area. BC? Uh, Vancouver, or I guess we're we're in Delta, which is a suburb of Vancouver. So yeah, BC is the whole um, thirty minutes away from uh, thirty minutes away from Vancouver. Okay, yeah. Vancouver area is what I meant. BC is the yeah. whole deal, yeah, the whole BC thing. Is the problem. Okay, well, anyways, either way, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Enjoying it? Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to be done. Yeah. No, I think it's been, it's been a long week. I think people were fading today. Yeah. Even this morning, you could tell people were very tired. Very tired. So lack of focus a bit, including myself, to be honest. So we are at the Executive Management Institute uh, hosted by NALA, and it's basically for newer executives, uh, people who are taking on new roles, just took them on. And it covers, I mean, we've done finance, we've done... We've done a lot of things. I think it's, we've done HR stuff. We've done, or not, I shouldn't say necessarily HR, but sort of, you know, how you retain people and find folks to finance stuff, as you said. And then uh, risk was a big one, actually. That was a big one, actually. What risk are you taking? What are your limits? I'm excited for tomorrow because it's culture. Culture is kind of my jam. Okay. We, like, I don't even know how to describe our culture. It's, uh, because we're a small, very, we're a very small operation. So I don't know what our culture would be, but. It's uh, small. How about that? That small. I don't know if that if that counts for culture or not. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Triad. Well, I guess first of all, would you say we're competitors? Uh, I'm not going to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think no. I don't. I don't think. Uh, sure, I'm sure we compete in some areas. We probably compete for fiber. Uh, but end of the day, I think if there, there's a market for everybody, like it's just a matter of finding it, taking the time. So I wouldn't say we're necessarily competitors as far as the selling side, but more the uh, probably the purchasing sometimes. But I haven't really seen it lately. How about that? I think the last year everyone's been so busy doing their right. Thing. I love that. That's like the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Like fixed mindset is like we're competing on everything and growth is like there's enough for all of us to go around. So Yeah, and I think there's you. definitely think it's important to talk to people you may think is your competitor. It's like we should probably do a better job of reaching out to Patrick um, and maybe vice versa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but just, you know, there's, there's always potentials of, you know, what can we do together? You know, what gaps can we help each other fill? All that. So. Right, right, right. So tell me um, a little bit about what your company does. So Triad Forest Products is a uh, old Patrick, if you will. It's a, we're an office remanner. I guess Patrick's a very old company, but so we just have an office. We carry inventory, we buy inventory, but we custom process it at uh, custom processing facilities in in the Lower Mainland of Vancouver, okay. or the Vancouver area, the Lower Mainland of Vancouver, uh, whether it be kilns, resaws, dressing, uh, planing, <clears throat> same thing. Just a whole bunch of chopping. 
and specializing in Western red cedar and Douglas fir mainly. We do a little bit of hemlock and a little bit of yellow uh-huh. here and there, but it's not it's not our bread and butter. Okay. Yeah. So we so it's we carry inventory, we take the risk on that, but we don't own a facility. A facility. Uh huh. Uh huh. So where did the name Triad come from? Uh, when it was started, gosh, I'm, I'm not going to say the year it started because I actually don't know off the top of my head. But it was there's there's only three people there. Uh, or I shouldn't say only. That's good. So three triad, but we're not related to the Chinese <laughs> gang. Make it very clear. I wasn't sure if you were going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your dad founded the company. No, he purchased it in 2007, I believe it was. Okay. And which is, I was in high school at that time. But I'm sure it's a little stressful with 2008 right around the corner. Oh, yeah. So I think there is. I'm sure it was a little stressful. Well, I know it was stressful. How about that? I'm yeah. Not, I don't think. I know it was stressful. Um, but got through it and all for the better. And here we are. Yeah. Do you have any, like, random memories from that time of, like, coming home and your dad being stressed? Uh, I would say I wouldn't see him coming home. <laughs> he was at the office working, uh, which I think, like, it's a good work ethic. And I think that's, like... One thing everyone's trying to figure out right now is, you know, the whole work work from home and working in the office. How do you balance that? Mm-hmm. I think because um, you want people to learn or you want want to brainstorm, I would say, is the bigger one. Bounce right. ideas off one another. And it, it's difficult to do that when someone's at home and in their living room working and you're at the office or vice versa. So Right. We've, I feel like we've had so many conversations about that here this week. And I feel like either there's kind of two schools of thought either you let your office work from home and your mill has to obviously Mm -hmm. be there because they have to do their job or um as some people have said you know you're all um you're all one right like Mm -hmm. you all have to work to get the job done why should some people get to work from home why should we place more value on some people yeah and i I think i would be more traditional like let's all go to the office let's all work it out but there's you can't necessarily you know there's different health issues or whatever people have so that they need a balance so it's it's tough and yeah there's no right answer and if you want to attract good people I think you have to now I don't know I could be wrong but from what I've taken away from this week is like you have to be willing to adjust for the short term Mm -hmm. we don't know how long this is going to last right the market could change in four years from now and it could be easily mandated to say you have to come to work right if the economy is poor or whatever Mm -hmm. so Agile. Yeah. Yeah. Buzzword. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You take you take that in your notes? Was yeah. That, was that Tuesday? I think that was Tuesday. I think that was Tuesday. Agility. It all blends together. Yeah. So um, how did you get started? Well, first of all, I guess my first question is, did you know you wanted to be in the industry? Uh, no. I did not know I was going to be in the industry. So I went to college and then for like two years, got my diploma and then came back didn't do much. How about that? We'll leave it at that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe skied a little too much. And then sort of want to get my, my act together a bit. So I worked at a sawmill, uh, Delta Cedar, for about, uh, I think it was about a year and a half. Uh, on the green chain is pulling lumber. So that, wow. was, that was a good experience. Yeah, what, do you, like, what are your uh, thoughts about that? I loved it. It was great. You, there's, you do two weeks of day shift, two weeks of afternoon. So on the afternoon one, you get home at like 1.30 a.m. or something. You just like be so tired, just crash. But it's like you just felt fantastic. Like There's something like really honest about it, which is nice. And then did that, but all with the intention of taking uh, my log scaling ticket in B.C., uh, which is done through the B.C. government. 
Okay. And uh, so I did this course for three months. They train you for the exam. Do you pay uh, the, for it? Uh, yeah, I paid for it. Yeah, and it's not a cheap course uh, oh. for the three months. And so you do the course, and they, they don't tell you that it's only a uh, 25% pass rate until uh, what? Until you get in there. So actually, I failed it my first year. Holy wow. Yeah, so I failed it. <laughs> oh, God. That was so <laughs> stressful. Failed it the first time by like, I think it was like 2%. I tried challenging it. The challenge didn't work because the, the, it's a private course, but the test is done through the government because it's, you know, their timber licenses or not their timber licenses, but the stumpage rate is based off of that. So failed it. But the company that put on the course is a scaling service and hired me to grade logs. So I couldn't scale for the government. Like I couldn't be inputting volumes and stuff and signing off. Okay, wait, but, yeah, let's back up really quick. Tell me what scaling is specifically. So scaling is you're analyzing, a, looking at a log and de- determining the grade off of sort of like lumber. There's lots of grades. It's the same thing with logs. And there's different rates for the grades depending, and you have to identify the species. The size? The size. Oh, oh de- yeah, it depends. But there's two grades. There's a grade that the logger wants, like for his customer. Uh-huh. There's another grade for the government. So oh. so you don't need a certificate for the for the grade that the, the logger wants because he can just tell you that. You don't need a sign if he trusts you to do it. Uh-huh. That's great. So that's what I did for like a year, redid the exam. So I graded the logs just for the log market. Wait, is the exam only offered once a year? Yeah, once a year. Oh my, it's like <laughs> so, worse than the bar exam. So I don't wait a whole year, <laughs> a whole year to, to do it. And then I, you obviously study it. And then, uh, so I did, oh God, the stress, the pressure on this thing. Is yeah, I can imagine. So then uh, I redid the exam, passed it. And then I think it was about, I think it was only about six months that I actually scaled. Once I got that certificate and, and was talking to John consistently, who's who's my dad, I guess, we'd go out for dinners, I think, like once a week or once every two weeks. Very fond memories of that, actually. And then uh, then we finally said, let's go for it. So I joined Triad. So wow. I think, I think I joined Triad was it four or five years ago. I'm not quite sure. So I'll so do some math. where did you learn the most? Was it the green chain? Was it the first scaling for the loggers or scaling for the government? Probably the green chain, I would say. Really? It's like you're, you're dealing with um, all types of people, all walks of life, different communities, different cultures, so, and very little English. So communication was like super key. And it wasn't, you couldn't just say, oh, can you do this? Or I, can you help me do this? Um, right. It was sort of pointing and but it, was, it was a fantastic experience. And like you'd, you'd share some great laughs even about things, even though you know there's a huge language barrier so i i love the green chain that was was a huge experience for me did you get any splinters maybe one or two that was probably (laughs) it yeah no it was good it was good so do you do you talk to any of those guys like do you still know any of them no no because like there's there's no 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 english yeah (laughs) minimal english so it was uh no i didn't talk i i haven't kept in touch with anyone a few people from the log scaling course and stuff that i've kept kept in touch with uh, here and there but yeah is that a big career i mean is it lucrative if you stay in it log scaling yeah i have i have my log scaling number still so I, like, oh you have it forever it's it, you die with it yeah whoa so 907g is uh is my number yeah does that mean there was only 906 people before you 
Uh, I don't know how it works. And like the, the government, I think people have tried to figure it out. And There's no. I, 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 they they might have told me or not. I don't, it wasn't something I was really too focused on. So Interesting. Yeah, but, so there's, yeah, there's each year there's a certain number. I get it. So it's, uh, yeah, people, people, it's a very way back in the day. Like, like I'm talking like a hundred years ago, the scalers would wear suits and top hats on the log and they go to, on the water, scale the logs in suits. No. Yeah. Cause they yeah. were so fancy. They were so important. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. That's Did they wear those shoes with the spikes in them? Yeah. With the suit. What are those called? Uh, oh, they called some. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. That's bad. What's the, uh. We need like Joe Rogan's Jamie here or something. <laughs> That's uh, next. Once we get famous enough, yeah, yeah, then we'll, okay, uh, okay, we'll yeah, add yeah, that yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. After you get over the maybe 85 viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might get to up to 90. You're going to tell your girlfriend and yeah, your parents. Tell, yeah. So, so yeah, we got, there's probably another six views <laughs> yeah, coming. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's six awesome. Lessons, yeah. So the only thing I know about logs is the Scribner scale. Is that something that is universal? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're like, yeah, we learned about that. Yeah. It's, but like, oh God, it's been years, it's been years since I've done any of this. So it's, uh, that's all I know is just the word. So yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah, have to yeah, tell yeah. me anything okay. special. Cause I, 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 I'm, I don't know either. So there you go. I, I forgot it all. Probably. I, I could read a book and re- refresh myself. I'm sure. But uh-huh. no, I would, it's a foreign language right now to me. Lumber is sort of yeah. Lumber's the fo- been the focus lately. So some days I feel like I should go work the green chain for like, I don't know. It's good. Like a couple weeks just so I can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right? They talked like, about that today a bit, right? Yeah. And it's just you so know. interesting because you know, my background's accounting mm-hmm. and I'm like accounting. I understand it. I know, but yeah. I'm still learning so much about lumber and it's like, I want, how do I learn that faster? Like you have to be there, get to you touch to be, it. Yeah. I think you have it. to be there. It's, it's tough. Like when we run wood, probably just helps me sleep at night but i try and go to every run really uh, that we do just because i just like to know what i'm shipping yeah uh, to the customer it's i have a hard time not knowing yeah Uh, so this week's been like really tough being away from the office well and if you get a claim Uh, you can be like i saw that i saw exactly exactly what went out there Mm -hmm. um and obviously it's been a okay market the last year so you know claims aren't a huge deal Um, right but yeah it's it's yeah, I, I like being there. Um, I'll be at the whole run. If it's two or three days, I'll be there. Wow. At least check in every day. Yeah. So let's talk about relationships. How um, important are relationships with customers, suppliers? What's your view of that? Uh, well, so I think in our industry, there's one. Well, customers are very important and you need to have a good relationship because there's a handful of people that they can buy from and you want to be the one they can buy from. But the other really important relationship is suppliers. If you don't have wood, you have nothing to sell. So you, you need fiber and that's a huge relationship to balance and keep them happy. And it's not easy being a buyer and keeping the, your supplier happy because <laughs> you want to be able to pay top dollar, but to keep them happy, but, and you want the wood, but you also know the market too and they know the market but so it's a really tough balance but i think the supply the, i would say both 50 50 you need both otherwise you know you, you can't do can't do anything mm-hmm. and we do a lot of exports so it's tough for us to you know you do like an annual trip COVID's put a wrench in that mm-hmm. uh, visiting customers overseas uh, but and you want to visit like we we love visiting our customers and what can we do for them and what can we do better and 
always improve, but the, the supply is, and I think the customers know that the supply is really important too. So right. they want us to treat our suppliers well so they can keep getting the fiber. Right. I think it's a misconception from, well, at least what I had, but maybe this is just an industry specific thing, especially with, you know, the shortage of supply right now. Mm-hmm. But I, when I got into lumber, I was like, why are we like, being like bending over for our suppliers i don't get it like we want us to give you like let us give you money and you give us the wood yeah and if there's an issue it's like you know what we're not even going to bring it up with our supplier because it's not worth it it's just not worth the headache we'll just leave it we'll move on right right? and so take the hit or whatever if it's off grade whatever it's yeah it's like we are fully the middleman i mean we are the middleman but yeah even though we carry inventory but regardless it's like yeah middleman carry inventory I think that's yeah yeah so it's like we're pleasing two relationships on both sides oh right? it's really tough yeah it's really tough and it's very different than like a wholesale business because you have inventory you know that you have a set cost on it and you have to move it and it, it, you can't let it sit there too long you don't want to tie up your all your cash in that because you want to keep buying you have to support your supplier right it's, it's really tough balance it is and it's from a finance accounting perspective it's taken me, I mean, I've been at Patrick seven years and I'm like, literally the COVID actually accelerated my learning about this because I'm like, what are we doing? You know? And it, it's like, oh, we are making our suppliers happy and we're making our customers happy. And this is kind of our balance we have yeah. to be in, which is just. Well, I think, I think a lot of people would have a tough time, like understanding, like in our industry, like how important the suppliers are. Like, right. like it, it's a, it's a hard concept to get to pound through people's heads sometimes. Even my friends, like that, I don't think when I explain what I do and, you know, say, oh, like, you know, I'm taking out a supplier or whatever. Oh, why are you doing that? Right. Like, oh, why are they well, taking like, you out? Yeah, exactly. they should be taking you out. The yep. beer should be on them. <laughs> yeah. right? The hockey ticket should be on them. <laughs> no, actually, like, they're really important to, to us and we right. want to make sure they're happy. And, and vice versa with the customers, too. Don't I don't want to forget about the customer. But it's also, too, it's much easier to, you know, supply is fairly local. You know, the shirt, sure, there's a few suppliers for everybody that, you know, a bit further away. But for the most part, it's pretty local. So it's easier to take out or, you know, stay in touch with rather than mm-hmm. having time differences and all that. Um, yeah. This is somewhat irrelevant. But do you guys do a lot of swag? Like, do you have shirts and water bottles? And we all? just got into the swag. Just got into the swag two years ago. We did some golf shirts, and then uh, our officer, our coordinator, Danica, she said we got to do women's shirts too if we're doing golf shirts. Praise Danica. Uh, so, anyways, so we got women's running shirts too. Ooh! Well, I think we're we're fully out of those now. Well, I can give you my address. Okay. Well, I think we're out. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're gone. They went pretty quick, but we still have a few golf shirts left. And then we got did last year. We did duffel bags, thinking you know once COVID's over, we can go traveling. So we got nice. some nice duffel bags, and then. I think that's it. We got some tape measures. I think that's it. Do you guys have much swag? We didn't when I started. So uh, when I started, we had men's everything. Like they had super nice zip up, like rain, windbreakers, golf shirts, hats, beanies. And I think I had been at Patrick for like two years. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'll give you the office address. I wouldn't mind a trip. (laughs) Okay. No, we don't have those right now. But when we get them, when we get them. So then um, I remember I ordered... The very first thing I ordered was a pink. I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go hard. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. I ordered a pink long sleeve, and it just was like a super thin cotton, like really poorly made. 
like it pilled up oh, immediately, but yeah. it had the Patrick logo. Yeah. And I handed it out to all the women and I instantly was like famous. Famous. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, this is the way to their hearts. Well, so whose, whose idea was the Patrick uh, not cozy? They they're the um the whiskey? No, no, the, no, the the the, the Patrick uh, Oh, the coasters. The coasters, yeah. The coasters. I I think that might have been Dave Halsey, our CEO. I like those. Those are good. those are neat because they're cool. um they're wood, aren't they're they? Wood, like, they're wood, but like wood. the they're like burnt. It's like yeah, um, it's like burnt with the Patrick logo. Yeah, on. those are really neat. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. We also have Nalgene's now. Do you know like a yeah, yeah the water bottles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are neat. And then the spot one the other day. Um, the whiskey is the most popular though for okay. sure. So we do. I've, have I've you never not, had it? I've never had the whiskey. Oh, we could yeah, arrange I mean, a trade. Yeah. Okay, a whiskey okay. for a duffel or something. Yeah, we could absolutely do that. <laughs> put a put a, a running shirt in there and a duffel bag. Perfect. For, for the a problem of is you can't ship alcohol over the Canadian border. So oh, really? yes. So we have a ton of. I mean, oh, God. you could maybe drive it over there. I don't know if that's legal. I'm not sure. So I'll if the down, Canadians come down, we give it. Yeah, to them, okay, but like perfect. we can't yeah. deliver it okay, to you. Maybe so. we'll come down pre-Christmas. I'll pick up the bottle. Yeah, head home. Yeah. When we first started that, I think, Al Capone style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're on year six, and we first started. I was like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I must like I must always start out as a naysayer. I think that's like the accounting yeah. part of me where you're like, "It's too expensive." Yeah, yeah. And then the amount that people come up to me and they're like. Your whiskey. We need a bottle of your whiskey. Oh, really? Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Are you a whiskey, whiskey. drinker? No, no, but like okay. people just love it. No, well, I'm I haven't not. had it, so I can't say if it's good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot, I should have brought some here. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, Dang then it. I could have taken it home. You know, yeah. there's a bottle in, in Dang Canada. It. Dang it. I guess I would have had to check my bag tomorrow. That's yeah. right. worth it. Swag. Yeah. Well, I also think that with the sw- besides the whiskey, because that goes very externally, but I think that internally it's almost more important than it is for our customers and our suppliers. Like our employees, like the shirts and the, you know, the oh, polos. Yeah. I, don't, and, I don't know. It's uh, I don't really fuss about that stuff too much. I don't really think about it. I wear my, my golf shirts all the time though. Cause they're like perfect shirt. So like, I love, I love them. Yeah. So it's like my, I'll go out to the bar on Saturday with it. Interesting. Yeah, just because I love, they're so comfortable. You're such a company man. Yeah, yeah. Loyal, loyal. Yeah. <laughs> loyal company man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about culture because we have been talking about that for a week. Are you sick of it yet? Maybe after this conversation. <laughs> this is going to push you over the edge. Yeah, maybe. We'll find out. No, it's, it's an important thing. It is important. It is important. So I guess... What's been your biggest takeaway from this week? This might be a hard question. That's that's really tough. With the culture, I don't even know. Because we're, so, we're such a small office. I think there's seven of us. So it's tough. And then, well, I feel with COVID, maybe feel like we've lost a bit of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Just because you're not seeing everybody. And, you know, it's it's a bit more isolating. Which is tough to bring back. Like, or I think we can bring it back. It's just, it's tough to figure out when you're all separated but as far as culture i think i think like you want a group that's just honest mm-hmm. uh, with one another not afraid to share their opinion like always keep an open mind and like you know say politely like you know that's a really bad idea like uh-huh. that's we're gonna lose a lot of money doing that or we can make more money doing this right or vice versa um so i think just like being honest like never being afraid to say hey no let's do it this way or this is why as long as there's a reason i think it's right so i think just being open with one another and 
I think is really important. So I don't know if that's culture or not, or if that's just that like, is that is because I think you have to you have to create an environment where it's okay to be vulnerable, right? It's okay for you to say to somebody, you know, maybe you're one of the newer people at your company, even though you've been there a while, but maybe you are, I don't know, to say, I don't think that's a good idea, even though you have the you know least experience on the team, mm-hmm. but at least you know, creating a space where you can say that and they're not like, you idiot, you're, what are you talking about? You yeah, know? and I think it's, yeah, I think it's, you know, maybe give it, you know, a one run sort of thing, like, okay, we'll do it that way, you know, this uh-huh. time we'll see how it works. And if it doesn't work, we'll go the other way. But, you know, having a balance there too, because it's, a, you know, you can have some lessons that cost money. It's It right. hurts when it costs money. You really learn from your mistakes, I think, that way. Right. Because if you just sort of get by and it's like, okay, you don't learn as well. But if you actually see there's a hit to the books, it's it's a bit of a gut punch. And it's like, okay, we're never doing that again. Right. So I think, which I like. I don't like, don't like it, but like it if that right. makes any sense. Okay, this is a vulnerable question. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you remember and are you willing to share like the last mistake you made? <laughs> last mistake I made? Well, I would say it was, uh, I, I'm happy to share it. Why? This, this is like more... It was at the start of COVID. We took some future contracts, and we had to uh, we had to ship against them. And but the price of lumber skyrocketed, oh. so we sort of got caught there. So we had took some hits. But I think a, a, I've talked to a lot of people about it, and that happened in a lot of offices. It's a learning and, experience. And that was a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that was my biggest mistake is was getting caught there at the beginning of COVID with future orders and price of lumber skyrocketing. Yeah, and no one, you know would have seen that and it could have gone the other way too potentially if you know it's nice to have locked in contracts and right lumber's cheap and you know some i just learned a new term within COVID, which is pts price oh, yeah, time yeah, of yeah, shipment yeah, yeah. Well, especially which i never had sh- heard of before especially at the shipping rates now that the shipping rates are so volatile right so um, right i was doing the math like it went up a huge percent recently yeah. so it's, it's yeah it's just another headache to deal right. with right now I know this podcast is not about me, but do you want to hear my biggest mistake that I made at Patrick? Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I should, I, I guess I should have been asking you the question back. No, no, no. I just thought of it when I asked you like, Oh, what would I say? <laughs> but way before COVID we had already transitioned people working from home, which we were lucky, really lucky that when COVID happened, we had people who just already worked from home, salespeople, sales support anyways. So our president was working from home And this was years ago. So it wasn't like you had a laptop and you carried it home. You had a desktop in the office and then you remoted into that desktop. Yeah, we have that. That's how we do it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, So people have laptops at home and then they remote in. Desktop. Yeah, like through, like with some like window. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that's what he was doing. And um, we had upgraded some computers and then we have a company that comes and takes away the old computer. They wipe them clean and then they repurpose them for people like, you know, um, who need computers. Uh, Low-income people, yeah. So anyways, I went through the office. I grabbed all the computers, and I loaded them up. And there was this computer in the corner of – on the floor, on the floor, in the corner of the office, sitting there. And I'm like, well, that computer needs to go. Take that one, load it up, go. Like, I don't know, this is like 4.30 on a Thursday. Yeah. Oh, God. I get a phone call from the president and he's like, um, my connection's down. Something's not working. I literally donated his computer to charity. Oh God. That's horrible. It was 
horrible. So did he lose everything? So, yeah, and the worst part was he had all, he had, like, thousands of pictures on that. Like, lumber like pictures. Personal pictures, too. Personal pictures, oh, travel pictures. Hopefully he, he didn't have wedding pictures. So, I don't know. I don't know. So, I went down to the place where they were donated, and I was like, I give me, I have to have that computer back. Yeah. Give me it back. And they're like, we're sorry, we can't. Like, it's a data privacy thing, and it's been mixed in with other computers. And what if we gave you a computer from somebody else? Yeah. And anyways, I I was also... You got back? I was six months pregnant, so I was ex- oh super oh emotional. Gosh, yeah. It was really bad. A lot, lot, lot going on. Yeah, and also, I'm not a salesperson, right? So, like, I, I just don't... I don't have that, like, in my brain. So, um, another... <laughs> Oh, Another that, person at our work, he called and he was like, "What can we do?" And I think it took a thousand dollars, but we got it oh, back. A thousand dollars cash to the guy. Okay, you know what? That's that's nothing. That's, <laughs> that's that's pennies compared to what like oh yeah the emotional cost of what that would have been. It was horrible. Oh, that would have been oh I would have been so mad. I would have been livid, like livid. Oh oh yeah, I don't yeah. even want to know. What, what I would have done if someone took my computer. Yeah. But my, my computer computer actually sits on a desk, though. Oh, see? Which... Yeah. Okay, whose fault? Okay, yeah. I'll take ownership. Yeah. It was yeah. my fault. But who put that yeah. computer who on the floor? Who put computer on the floor? I'm, in the I corner agree. of the I office. Agree. It should I at agree. least been, like, locked up in the server room. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, that's good. That's a, oh, that's a big mistake. Hey, we should do podcast a podcast on mistakes. That's actually... That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Just maybe not have my name associated with it. <laughs> not with that I one. I could share them all, yeah. Okay. We're um we're wow, we're already at 30 minutes, so we gotta wrap this baby up. So it's time for rapid fire. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. You think I, I have, have no idea what these questions are gonna be. I know, you think I'd have it memorized, but I don't. Okay. What is the last book you read? Red Notice, uh Bill Browder. I, I haven't think. heard of it. It's a, it's unreal book. It's um it's about an American. He's from New York, and he goes uh, to Russia. Uh, he's like a financial guy. He starts in London, his career in London, and then goes to Russia, gets sent to Russia. And, um, like, this is when, like, the Kremlin is, like, like sort of, like, I think it's the Kremlin. Like, they're uh, privatizing all these companies for, like, pennies on the dollar. Oh. So he starts, like he makes a hedge fund and, and starts buying these companies for like pennies and they're, you know, like on the dollar and they're worth like just unbelievable exorbitant amount of money. Um, and he's making a ton of money and like Putin gets involved and like has a hit out for him. And so I think this book was sort of like a security piece too. He's back in the States or England or something now, but I would highly recommend it. Wow. It's, it's a thriller and it's like a business thriller. I'm not a big reader. I read the news every day and that's sort of my reading the economist and, whatever global mail the canadian newspaper but yeah so i would highly recommend that highly recommend awesome it, yeah all right i'll add it to my list what's the most recent thing you learned in the industry most recent thing i learned in the industry oh boy wood's really expensive <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the uh I, to, I would have to think about that one but i i would say just i think there's like some really great people in the industry and i think i think it can be forgotten and amongst all the stress and of your day to day. It's like, I think this week's a great example is, you know, seeing a couple of you from Patrick and, you know, they're just wonderful pe- folks in this industry. And, and I think it's, you know, it's, we're not, you know, we're not all about grinding each other, you know, right. There's times I'm sure that, that it all happens. There's time and a place, but everyone needs to put a roof over their head and that's okay. So right. I think we have to remember that. So. 
Oh, that was a good one. Describe the lumber industry in one word. I would say fun. It's good. I love it. I would say it's fun would be the my word. And it just you know there's a lot of emotion sometimes, and and it's there's ups and downs, and but that's fun. It's part of the fun, and it's it's just getting you can get so creative on right. how you do things, and I like that part. From the outside, it looks boring, and then when you're in yeah, it, it's you're really in it, fun. It's, yeah, and yeah. I think it's, it goes back to the people. Like it's a lot of fun talking to customers or suppliers, and right. going out to. I love going out to mills and watching trees get yeah. or the logs get chopped up. So that's fun. Yeah. All right, and last, what's your favorite thing about the industry? I guess we kind of just yeah, covered we just that. Sort of, yeah, I'd say we sort of did that. No, I'd say like people. People are great, and I love how like my job is. I can be in an office. But I can also be out at out at a mill, yeah. uh, looking at wood. I, I just love that. It's uh, it's a bit of everything. So it's not. I would go stir crazy if I was at my desk all the time. Right. I wouldn't be able to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I would say is the best thing. All right, you made it. We're at the you end. Made it through. Yeah. Thank beer, you so beer much. Beer o'clock. Beer o'clock. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay. No worries. Thank you. <laughs>